Welcome to Asian Book Club, where we highlight Asian and Asian American authors. We are your hosts, Jimmy and Sabangin. And I'm Stephen Park. And today, something weird happened. Hmm. So I was going around the grocery store because I needed some stuff for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking down and I was ready to turn on an aisle. And right then someone had popped up and it was like this tall, kind of lanky white guy. And then so we almost ran into each other. And my first instinct was to bow. So I did like a semi bow mm. and I felt very <laughs> awkward. And I was like, oh, man. I didn't mean to show this guy respect. And I felt like, I don't know, I felt kind of hatred for myself a little bit. But I think it's because I grew up in a town full of Asian people. Yeah. And so when that happened, sometimes it'd be someone that was older. And I don't know, maybe that's just my initial response is I always kind of bow for Mm -hmm. apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also reading this book and then hearing about Stephen and him meeting Ingrid's parents and his bow to Azumi and all of that conversation, it just made me feel extra bad about bowing to a white person. Mm. I don't know. I also don't feel like I should feel bad. Like, I don't know. You can... I, I don't think you should feel bad. I feel as though... It's different if a white person was bowing to you, because that's not their culture. When I first moved to Portland, instead of doing the wave when I'm walking as a pedestrian and a car would stop for me, mm-hmm. instead of doing the wave for thank you, I would bow, which is customary in Guam because of a lot of the tourists mm-hmm. and it's just a way of synchronicity like showing the same kind of respect to each other but i took that with me here Mm -hmm. and i got different responses Mm -hmm. and i did overhear one person and they were white saying isn't it funny when people bow to you at the street and that's when i stopped doing that Hmm. the thing is i don't want to stop because if I were to meet other Asian people, like if that same scenario happens and it's like an 80 year old grandpa, I would want that to be my exact response. But I also don't want to perpetuate stereotypes to people, but it's also what we do. I don't know. It's this hard line of like, that is what I do to everyone. Absolutely. So my intention is now, if I am in a room or if I am directly corresponding or talking with another Asian person and they seem to have the same kind of customs and awareness to what I'm used to, then I would bow. Mm -hmm. And if by observing them and they don't seem to be feeling it, then I wouldn't. But I don't do it out of habit anymore. Like, I I think about it first. Yeah, I don't know. I think whether it spurs on racial thoughts or not, I think it's a pretty deep-rooted thing by my parents of how to show respect. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that I want to change because I want to keep that part of me. Absolutely. I just don't want people to be racist. We all don't want people to be racist. I don't want people to be racist. And I, if it weren't for me overhearing that one person, I think I would have still been bowing while crossing the street. Yeah, but I don't want to change my behaviors and my customs because of what other people think. Absolutely. So if 
whoever I bumped into at the Safeway is listening, I did not respect you. I do apologize for almost bumping into you, but I don't respect you, so just know that. And this is our recommendation for the week. So our recommendation for the week is the work of Liz Soyeon Kleinrock, and she is the founder of Teach and Transform. Liz Kleinrock is an educator, an author, a facilitator, and a speaker with a social justice lens. I bumped into her through Instagram where she offers intersectional resources and in her post she shares a lot of thought-provoking ideas that make me stop and think and these are for both teachers and non-teachers and for teachers she also has a book called Start Here Start Now for those who are interested in creating anti-racist anti-bias classrooms. She has a book called Start Here Start Now. She's also written books for kids called Come and Join Us, which talks about holidays from different parts of the world, as well as Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders. You can learn more about her work on her website at lizkleinrock.com, Liz, L-I-Z, Kleinrock, K-L-E-I-N-R-O-C-K, as well as on her Instagram at Teach and Transform. Yeah, and that's our recommendation for the week. Okay, so third read of Disorientation by Elaine Che Chu. Mm-hmm. What do we know so far? So, in our last read, we discovered that Xiao Wen Chao is wearing yellow face. We also discovered all the microaggressions galore that Ingrid faced in the past, as well as feeling and seeing in the present. And finally, because of these things happening to her, both witnessing the yellow face of John Smith, as well as the microaggressions and learning from the POC caucus that she joined, she's now having a social justice awakening, as well as feeling the denial in that reckoning as well. Mm -hmm. And so now we're getting to the meat of everything, and Mm -hmm. it seems like this is where a lot of the events are happening. Yes. I don't know if I can say this is the climax, but we're at least pretty close to the climax Mm -hmm. if we're not already there. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're definitely feeling the buzz of the climax coming. Mm -hmm. And the first part of that buzz is what Ingrid does. Mm -hmm. And that is finally get the courage or finally hit that boiling point where she releases the information of Xiao and Chao. I mean, this gets spawned because of the protest that she's in. Mm -hmm. She's protesting with the POC caucus, wanting to stop anyone from going to the Chinatown Blues opening night, which essentially fails because they're all sitting and people are climbing over them. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, because of the anxiety she's feeling, she's taking all these pills Mm -hmm. very quickly and starts hallucinating. Mm -hmm. And because of her hallucination, she runs into the theater, thus breaking the protest, Mm -hmm. and watches the whole play and realizes just how bad it all is. Mm -hmm. Right. So within that play, we notice a ton of different racially incorrect things right very stereotypical Mm -hmm. yeah and that leads 
Ingrid to finally pull that move, mm -hmm. which is create an entire website exposing Zhao Wen Chao's falsehood, his yes. fakeness. Yes. And I guess in a sense exposing actually John Smith. Exactly. And also in order to corroborate that all of this is true, not only talking about his works, but sharing about her and Eunice breaking and entering without revealing their identities. Right. And then she's also the anonymous tip that goes to the school gazette or yes. their newspaper. Yes. And this is how the story starts getting spread. Mm -hmm. It then goes on to end up on the news. And so it becomes a pretty big issue. Right. Chaos ensues because of the website and because of her tip to the gazette. Right. One of it is that the East Asian Studies building gets trashed. Mm -hmm. Students who have been studying Zhao Wenqiao, especially those colleagues of hers who are also basing their dissertation on his work, feel mm -hmm. duped. Mm -hmm. And some to the point of the professors, including her advisor Michael, having meltdowns, either trying to jump off the building or starting fires. Right. So yeah, not Michael, but some of the other professors. Yes kind of going through acts that are on the edge of lud lud ludicrousity? Ludicrousness? Ludicrous, the rapper? Um, I feel like ludicrousness is the correct term, but now I'm confused and unsure. But it, it leads the professors to really not knowing what their place is anymore because right. their lives have been based around this author mm -hmm. that they felt such a close identity to. Mm -hmm. It's a state of existential crisis. Right. We also find this interesting interaction between Vivian and Ingrid at the time. Yeah. And Ingrid initially asked Vivian her thoughts on the whole situation. Right. Vivian's response is to burn it all down to the ground. Mm -hmm. She's trashed her entire works. She is kind of just letting the situation go and just saying, well, what can we do? Well, she does that because she feels that Ingrid took the spotlight from her when she was going to essentially expose Zhao Wenqiao through his work rather than through investigative reporting. Right, but not understanding that it's actually Ingrid that broke the story out well she suspects that ingrid is mm. because vivian even says isn't it a coincidence that i tell mm. you about my work and then this happens mm. yeah i don't think i'm good at understanding shade because i read that and i was like mm. huh it is a coincidence <laughs> um i think i speak fluent sarcasm so mm -hmm. it, i definitely followed mm-hmm the weird turn is that as we start entering the end of the chapters that we did read, mm -hmm. Vivian kind of flips the script mm -hmm. and she ends up taking credit for starting this website. Right. And I think that's her way of not only taking the limelight, right. but also trying to salvage all the work that she's put into trying to expose Zhao Wenqiao in the first place. Yeah. The thing that I didn't quite understand, or maybe it's just a different perspective of things, mm -hmm. is that I still felt like Vivian could have had a big role in all of this. So whether she was the person to expose it or not, she had all this background from the literature that she's been studying. So she could have been the first one to 
post a documentary, mm. post a letter, an essay, write a book. So she could have still gotten very famous from the information that she had. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, it felt shameful to have wasted. I mean, I don't think she actually like shredded anything because she just said she threw it in the trash. But it felt wasteful that she wasn't going to utilize her material at that point. Right. I think for her, it was a point of somebody else did it first. Yeah. And she's true. usually the best. True. And since she's the best, she should be the one to break the story. Right. Right. But speaking of trash, <laughs> that leads us to the next big thing that happens. Yes. That even though so many students and teachers feel duped, mm-hmm. Michael doubles down on his research. Yeah. Even though he initially was the one who started the big bonfire of his work and mm-hmm. even like eating pieces of the books. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic. Over dramatic. Absolutely. Needs to chill. No. <laughs> But after that meltdown, Michael invites Ingrid to discuss her work, her Mm -hmm. dissertation, and is now encouraging her to continue her dissertation because it's art. Right. And art doesn't belong to any one race. Right. And this is where I felt like Ingrid met her personal crossroads. Yeah. Because during this whole time and when we started the book, her identity was defined by what other people put her into right the roles that she was placed into and michael was one of those key factors Mm -hmm. and it's finally michael asking her to continue on with the life that she was living and live this not falsehood but i guess ignorance in her personal self oh yeah but now she's found either through the poc caucus or that group that she's been hanging out Mm -hmm. with she's found a different identity and has noticed different things And there's a part where Michael says to her, you and I together will defend child's poetry from the ravages of the less enlightened. Mm. And then Inger's response that she doesn't quite say out loud is, quote unquote, I'd rather stick needles into my eyeballs. I wish she had said that out loud, Mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. But it just shows this is where I think her turning point is of going from the naive I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my tenure kind of person to, okay, like, this is who I am as an individual. Let me start to figure out my identity. For sure, for sure. Going off of Michael and his wildness, he starts by writing a book called In Defense of Freedom. Right. And he starts a following based on his work and Mm -hmm. based on his blog. He has a talk show appearance with Herbert. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of these ignorant things just start spewing out. He even has a following of Dofos now. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I felt like the part with Herbert was a big moment in all of this. Mm. But it also felt in a way like comic relief. Like sarcastic comic relief in a way. Totally. Just like how dumb these two are and the way they're rallying each other up. It just felt like... It was included in there to show the stupidity and the, I don't know, the the thing that I kind of wrote down in my notes mm-hmm. is it was like two grown men stroking each other's egos. I had a different word, but uh-huh, let's exactly, go with egos. Exactly, exactly. But Herbert ends up being worse than Michael, which 
isn't that big of a shock. I don't know if either of them are worse than each other. I feel like they're both on the same boat. Maybe, but it seems like Michael made more of a progression. He went from this person that was asking Ingrid in the coffee shop, and then he noticed that he was starting to get an audience in that coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And so then he started being louder and more ostentatious. And then so he kind of went on wrote the book, did the talk show, and the more and more eyes and ears that he got, that seemed to be what guided him to the direction that he did. Mm. I don't know what he truly believes in. I think he is more attracted to fame and people's attentions Mm -hmm. rather than a true belief. And, you know, Mm. this is what the issue was all along with him so firmly grasping onto this Xiaowen Chao character's literature is that it wasn't his and he took it in as his. For sure, for sure. It became his crusade to make this work known so that he can be known. Right. And in a way, he's maybe appropriating white culture. Like, he's appropriating these people's beliefs of, like, this is good. Because he didn't always believe it, but now he firmly does. I don't know if appropriation's a word, but it seems like it might be. He's taken on this mantle of being the new white savior for the white people. Right. Also, what is up with, I don't want to say all white people, but what is up with American and their need for freedom? Like, there is this weird sense of freedomness and like, I mean, freedom is, I love having freedoms that we do. Right. But there is an abuse of freedoms, like the freedom of speech and the right to bear arms like there is a certain level of non-freedom that we need like rules and right there has to be some way that society can operate without having too much freedom because then too much freedom becomes anarchy right exactly it's politics now i guess (laughs) but man it, it as soon as michael started talking about like defense of freedom and all that i was like oh my lord like you're one of them (laughs) did you listen to it on the audiobook that part in the blog spiel i did initially listen to it on the audiobook for sure i could feel the change in tone Mm -hmm. once the blog spiel came out and it wasn't just the change in tone that the narrator was making in order to show that there was a difference in writing but also the tone that was very murga And I can say, on that note, the narrator for this book is absolutely amazing. Yeah, The book is written in a way that the visual aesthetics of it are so important yes. to the read. Yes. And yet, somehow, listening to the audiobook, especially in these sections, mm-hmm. still felt like I could visualize the yes. story that Elaine was writing. Absolutely. So I very much appreciated. Not only her tone of voice, but how she broke up the speeches and everything. Yes. So, just quick side note, mm-hmm. audiobook is also good for this. But there is a strong visual component in the way yes. that Elaine writes this. So, both would be really good to do. Absolutely. So, Michael and his followers, they're going down that hill. I do want to double back a little bit. What do you mean by... Michael has more progression than Herbert. Is it progression in terms of the audience or progression in terms of thought? It's the fact that Herbert doesn't have a progression. Herbert is 
the uniplanar, flat, two-dimensional character mm. that is introduced in the story to bring up Michael's character. Gotcha. So Herbert says things like, and this is a quote, but I'm going to kind of put a break in there because it's a very long saying, but an old friend of mine had a very popular character named Little Nappyhead. Mm. I tell you, looking at him on stage, you couldn't have guessed he wasn't born as dark as the bottom of my shoe no but that is herbert's character right and his entire point of being in this book is that he's stupid yes but michael originally starts out as this guy who is married to a person who's chinese Mm -hmm. the original presumption was that he loved her for who she she is is, which we didn't we found out it's not right um and he's also studying east asian literature because he's thoroughly engaged by it Mm -hmm. but i think his character arc is now going in the form of he is an extremely racist person who has utilized the stereotypes of asian people Mm -hmm. and tried to use it and bend it for his advantage Mm -hmm. and now he's kind of just turning into this very racist person that he always was just in a different monster right for sure for sure yeah but that's kind of where we leave off with michael's story i i don't know if we come back to it he's just he's kind of joined this group it's all it's almost like the image i had in my mind was when there's a zombie movie Mm. and there's that person that's like kind of left up there and the zombies are all on the bottom and Michael's the person up at the top who's still a human. He just jumps in, and now he's one of the zombies. Right. He just kind of joined the crowd, and For sure. now he's gone. For sure. But that's kind of the end of him. What, For now. For now, yeah. He might come back. But what we haven't talked about yet is Stephen and Ingrid. Specifically Stephen, who is the problematic one. Right. But their relationship hits several different points within Mm. these chapters. Mm -hmm. The chapter starts off with Stephen, Izumi, and Ingrid, and they're hanging out. Well, essentially, Izumi comes for a book tour, and Stephen is there because he's the translator for that book. Right. And during this book signing, Ingrid notices Stephen's fascination with Izumi and how he's so drawn to her. Mm -hmm. So she feels this jealousy that eats away at her when she doesn't even want to be there. Right. This was one of the problems that I had. Well, one was the way that Ingrid originally approached Izumi. Absolutely. Which was Ingrid kind of yelling at Izumi like she, because she didn't speak English. Yeah. And, yeah, not great. Not great it's no. the thing that Americans do to other people when right. they don't think they understand English. Right. As if as if raising your volume and enunciating every syllable is going to make them understand magically. Mhm. But do you remember Izumi's response to what Ingrid said? Yes, Izumi said Americans are too loud. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. It was such a perfect response mm. to the way that Ingrid greeted her. Exactly. But the bigger issue I had with Ingrid is that she puts so much of the blame on Izumi, Izumi yeah. who is this bystander in her relationship with Steven. Right. It's something that I noticed that some people will tend to do in relationships mm-hmm. where they won't blame the person that is their spouse, but they blame the person who is supposedly encroaching into their relationship. Right. When Izumi, we don't even know what she thinks. Like, we don't... Right. There's no presumption that she even wants to be with Steven. Right. 
So I didn't like that tension that Ingrid created out of that relationship. I mean, Ingrid is known to be insecure. Right, right. Because her relationship with Steven is based on Steven's attention, mm-hmm. because Steven's attention is no longer the same when Izumi is around, now she feels the instability of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, let's talk about Steven's relationship with Ingrid in a slightly different light. Mm-hmm. And that's the light of taxes. So, not actual taxes. But the folder called taxes. And the folder inside the folder called taxes called taxes. Yes. So, what we're talking about is Ingrid starts to get suspicious of Stephen. Right. Especially because Stephen is not noticing her makeover. At at least not the way that she wanted him to. She dolled herself up Mm -hmm. in the quote-unquote kawaii way. Mm Mm-hmm. And he doesn't bat an eye. He doesn't even notice that she looks this way for him. Right. And so she then starts to go snooping around Mm -hmm. the computer a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And this is where she stumbles upon the taxes folders, which enlightens her to the fact that Stephen has dated multiple Asian women in the past. Right. And it's one after the other. It's not like there were big spawns of time in between. Well, the thing was, we don't know what the actual timelines are because it's just these photos. But what I did think was I was trying to give Stephen a little bit of credit and be like, okay, maybe he dated people of other races. But then that still doesn't preclude the fact that he only kept the photos of the Asian women that he dated then. Mm -hmm. Like, out of all the types of possible scenarios of this... I can't think of a thing that excuses Steven from keeping a file just full of the Asian women that he's dated. Exactly. It yells out yellow fever. Yeah, yell's a nice word for it, actually, in this scenario. Mm. It is like WWE jumping off of a (laughs) 10-foot cage and landing on top of you to yell out yellow fever. Like, it is kind of right in your face. And this is the thing that Ingrid didn't know. Mm -hmm. The person that he had originally dated prior to Ingrid, her last name was Lee. Her name was Sandra Lee. Yeah. Like the the pies. Yes. So she got very confused when she found out that Sandra Lee was actually Asian as well. Right. I just want to say that your imagery of the WWE and the cage is so vivid that it made me feel very smothered by this Steven character yelling yellow fever at me. Yeah. So this then leads us to Ingrid trying to find some consolation in talking with Eunice, which becomes this very interesting discussion between Eunice, Ingrid, and Alex. Alex. I wanted to kind of transition to this topic, but there's also a point where Eunice was like, I didn't think Stephen was one of those guys. And Ingrid's like, what are you talking about? And Eunice said, he doesn't have a collection of samurai swords and he doesn't read anime or manga. And I'm like, yeah, that's a... Because remember, okay, we just came back from Seattle. Yes. And so... One of the things we wanted to do was go visit Bruce Lee's memorial. Like yes. his uh, his gravesite at the Volunteer Park. Right. So we were kind of walking around. It was a pretty chill day. Not much was going on. And so this cemetery was almost empty except three people. Mm-hmm. So it was us, another couple that was just walking around, mm-hmm. and this one guy. 
and he was standing right next to Bruce Lee's grave plot. Yeah. And he was... Calling it kung fu would have been very nice. He was <sighs> pushing the air with both hands. Uh, with both fists. Both, yeah. He was pushing the air. Maybe he was just pumping his fists. Maybe that's what it was. Calling it kung fu would be a dishonor in in the martial art itself. Right. He was also speaking to Bruce Lee's spirit. And it was a very real representation of this book that we were reading. Yes. But one of the things I mentioned to Jemay as we were walking there, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry if this is a little bit too mean, but I was making a bunch of jokes of what I expected this guy's house to look like, and the things that I mentioned were samurai swords, the fact that he probably had manga, probably had black belts going on, some Asian scrolls. And that he had he probably had martial arts uniforms mm-hmm. in his closet. Chopsticks over spoons. Yes. I'm sure he tries. But the fact that Eunice said this was very funny to me. But they both realize that he has this love for sushi, and Ingrid also points out Stephen's career in translating Japanese books. Right. Eunice doesn't seem to have a problem with this. She, I think her point is very valid for who she is as an individual. I don't think it's for everyone nor do I think it's for the most. But I do think that if we're talking about empowerment, you should be able to do whatever you want. And if this is truly what makes her happy, and she knows the other side of it, that she is being fetishized and she's okay with it, I don't see a problem for this for Eunice very specifically. I do see this as a problem as a whole, though. So it's not Mm -hmm. excusing the behaviors, but Eunice's point is also very valid of, I'm using them. So I'm like, oh, I guess that's fine. I mean, we've talked about this before, how anyone hiding behind the word preference and only dating one characteristic throughout or one trait throughout their whole dating history is problematic. Absolutely. So let me clarify. I'm not saying that the people that she's dating are okay. I'm saying that Eunice's perspective of it is, is okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I still don't excuse the behaviors of the people that she's dating. One of the words that Alex used was replaceable. That's mm. how he described the women that these men who fetishized Asian women mm-hmm. or people. He said that there's that feeling of being replaceable. replaceable. And yeah, that would be the thing that bothers me is they don't seem to value the people that they're with, like right. Michael. Right. Right. Like it was more the concept of who they were dating rather than an individual. Mm-hmm. So there's absolutely a problem with this. Right. It's just I can also see Eunice's side in this and say, go get yours as long as you understand what's going on. Fair. I also thought it was very funny that there was the counterpoint that Eunice made about Alex's girlfriend that he was dating. Mm, (laughs) It was a girl who was wearing cat ears, playing video games, calling him Oppa, trying to dye his hair blue so he could look like her favorite K-pop singer. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a really good point because he was also fetishized. It's not something that only happens to Asian women which is kind of the direction that this book was taking us for a long time. Yeah. But I really like this counterpoint in that Asian men are also fetishized nowadays. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's just nowadays. I think Asian men have been fetishized for a while, but the focus has been on women more often than not. Right, 
right, right, right. One thing that really caught my attention and I feel like really nailed the point for Ingrid was when Ingrid said that Stephen loves her and Alex asked her, but can you be really sure? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know, I think this is where Ingrid is starting to second guess this. Yes, but unfortunately, Eunice as her best friend is pushing her towards well, you're still happy, you still love him, you're still in a good place, right? And right. even though Ingrid doesn't feel that way, right. Ingrid is currently, at least by the end of this read, allowing Eunice to convince her. her. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of where the story left off, was yeah. with this discussion that they were all having. Yeah. One thing I wanted to go back to in our read mm-hmm. is what I found to be a very interesting little side story through all this Mm -hmm. and it's when Ingrid goes back home to her parents Mm -hmm. so the first thing for me is that whenever Ingrid talks about her parents the story refers to them as Jean and Mm Bo in my mind when I think of my parents they are never their first names so I'm wondering if Elaine included this type of material in this way as a sign of her Americanization and her more comfort with the American way of referring to parents rather than the Asian one. The thing that I then found more interesting, though, was the discussion about race between Ingrid and her mother. Mm. So Mm. for those of you that may not have read this or maybe it just slipped along and you missed this part of it, Mm -hmm. but Ingrid was talking to her mom and dad about Chow and Chow and the racism that was incurring, Mm -hmm. and she wasn't getting the response that she thought she would get Mm -hmm. instead her dad and mom kind of brushed this off in fact what jean her mom said Mm -hmm. was quote unquote american children like you are so easily offended i think you like being offended because you have never been hungry or poor Mm -hmm. it brings up this thought of how i think my parents kind of view racism in america Mm -hmm. it's something that they've always kept their head down and moved forward and almost expected to happen. I was talking to my mom about this incident that I had with a police officer when I was growing up, and it was this very stupid thing where I should really not have ever been involved. Yeah. But she truly believes that racism was a part in it. Mm. But then from there, she's like, yeah, it's a part of where we are in America. And she's like, let's move on. Mm. It's also something that has been brought up in Hassan Minaj's stand-up, yeah. where he goes into the discussion of the difference between our parents and us, and our first-generation thought versus either our first-generation now, our 1.5 generation, or our second-generation thought, yeah. and the fact that we now grew up in America, and we see the... And I hate using this word after reading about all the stuff that was in this book, but Mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, it shows our freedom to actually be people that are allowed to be here. Because this is all we know. So I think we, as 1.5 or second generation kids, Mm -hmm. have grown up to start to stand up for our rights and say it's not okay to be this way to us. But the thoughts of Jean and Bo resonated very strongly with, I think, how my parents still, till this day view racism in America. Mm, Fair. And to tie it all together, what Jean was trying to say to Ingrid is more than just first and second generational thought processes, but also in terms of needs being Mm -hmm. met. 
when our needs are being met, and usually, not always, but usually for those of us who are 1.5 first generation or second generation, we're usually already being fed. We're usually already housed and having all our needs met so we can think of those things. Right, 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 right. From here, though... I think we're going to hit a lot of bumps in the road. Yes, absolutely. Where do you see us going? I see Ingrid still struggling and probably struggling even harder now to figure out what her thought processes are. One, for her relationship with Steven. Mm -hmm. And two, with Zhao Wenchao and her own personal reckoning of what race and identity Mm -hmm. mean to her. Mm -hmm. I hope they break up. Uh, Stephen and Ingrid. I hope Stephen and Ingrid break up. I hope also that Ingrid and Michael's uh, advisementship also breaks up too, because mm-hmm. it's not great. Mm-hmm. I agree. I do think that Stephen and Ingrid will break up. I think that Ingrid is kind of now on a unilateral trajectory mm. of starting to discover who she is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Even just that bit where she finally yelled at Steven for calling her Chinese instead of Taiwanese. We're finding and discovering her self-discovery. We're being able to witness her finally grow out of this cocoon that she's placed herself in. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that over the next chapter we'll see her blossom. I'm hoping so too. But do you think she ends up with Alex? I hope so. (laughs) Yikes, really? I know, I know he's a douchebag too i don't even think that he just seems initially i didn't want them to be together but now i think that because he is her awakening Mm -hmm. he is part of her awakening i feel like it, it would be like they don't have to be together forever but i think they can be together for a little bit Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> Do you think Eunice's character changes? Unfortunately, I don't think her character changes. I also don't think her character changes. I'm curious what happens with Vivian. I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Right. I no longer think Vivian and Ingrid are going to team up. I think that they might not team up, but they might find a way to not work together, but their actions will work simultaneously somehow. Mm. So, we'll have to read it and find out. Yes. We have... Two more readings. We have two more readings left of this book. Mm-hmm. It's getting to the juicy part, though. Yes! Readings are getting quicker and quicker. Yes. But what are we reading next? For those who are reading the hardcover, we're reading pages 248 to 319. And for everyone, we're reading chapters 14 to 17, which are The Ultimate Asian Woman to Total Immersion. We're finishing spring quarter and starting summer. Nice. And for those that want to enter the conversation, this book has hit a lot of topics. So if you have any thoughts or opinions, how can people reach out to us? You can email us at asianbookclubpod at gmail.com or you can join the conversation on Instagram at asianbookclubpod. We also have our website, which is asianbookclubpod.com, which has our bookshop where you can see the books that we've read or that we plan to read or that we at least recommend. Mm -hmm. Please remember to follow, subscribe, and rate us. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, make sure to also be happy, be healthy, and read a book. Bye. Bye.